Hi, this is Adam Bergman, IRA Financial, and today I want to talk about a 1031 exchange and how it could be a really nice solution for self-directed real estate investors. Uh, let me explain. So people probably wouldn't think about combining a 1031 exchange and an IRA. And the reason is, when you look at a 1031 exchange, most people will consider a 1031 exchange, which is basically a tax-free exchange of a property. In order to defer the tax on the gain, you basically exchange it for a replacement property of like kind and, and equal or, or more value. So people are very interested in 1031 exchanges, in, in real estate using personal funds, because if they have a lot of built-in gain in an asset, instead of paying the tax on it, they will defer the tax and then replace it with with another uh, like kind of property of equal or more value and then kind of defer the taxes on it. And it's a really attractive strategy um, for the last 15 or so years, if not more. Uh, a lot of very sophisticated real estate investors all over the country have used it to, to build real estate empires. Even the Kushners have done it. Um, uh, and they've uh, they basically wrapped up a big 1031 exchange uh, to buy a uh, office building on Fifth Avenue and took a lot of smaller units, combined them to do a, a like-kind exchange in order to defer the tax on a lot of those gains for uh, in order to replace it with a, uh, a monster office building in Fifth Avenue without paying any tax. So it's super, super exciting, super sophisticated type of transaction. There's a couple rules involved, which I'll get into. But when you think about a self-directed IRA, you think about an investment where you're not paying tax on. So the question is, well, how does a 1031 work with a self-directed IRA? Why would a real estate investor want to or take advantage of the 1031 tax exchange, tax-free exchange uh, process when an, with an IRA when there's already no tax, right? The, the main reason of using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate is that you don't pay tax on the income or gains. So if you buy a piece of property for $100,000 in your self-directed IRA with no leverage, and then you sell it for a million in your IRA, there's no tax on that $900,000 of gain, which is one of the main reasons real estate is such a popular asset class with retirement account holders. So what's the deal here? Why are we talking about 1031s and IRAs? Well, as I mentioned, generally, in most cases, when you buy and sell real estate in a retirement account, there's no tax. However, there's something called Unrelated Business Taxable Income, UBTI, and it's a tax imposed really on three types of income associated with an IRA. Number one, if you use mar uh, margin, uh, which is basically a loan uh, in a stock transaction, uh, which, which isn't quite popular. The second is if you use leverage, like a loan, uh, to buy real estate in an IRA. And obviously, uh, the loan has to be non-recourse, meaning it's a loan you cannot personally guarantee. The reason is if you personally guarantee the loan, well, you've violated the prohibited transaction rules, which will blow up your IRA and create tax and penalties. So not a good idea. So again, the loan has to be a non-recourse loan. And if you do it associated with your IRA real estate investment, you can trigger this UBIT tax. And the third way to trigger UBIT in, in a retirement account is if you invest your IRA in an active trader business operated through a LLC or other pass-through entity. So if you're an IRA invested in a pizza restaurant held through an LLC, you can trigger this UBIT. But let's look at leverage, because le leverage is a real way that the 1031 exchange could, could potentially uh, become a tax-efficient strategy for a real estate IRA investor. So let me back up. So we know the 1031 helps someone defer tax, not eliminate it, because eventually you got to pay the tax. 
if there's gains, but it will let you defer it and, and buy a like-kind replacement property so long as you, you satisfy a 45-day and 180 180-day uh, requirement where you, you basically um, you are able to sell a relinquished property and identify a potential replacement in 45 days, and then you have to um, actually replace the property uh, within 180 days. So you got some time limits. Assuming you can satisfy them, why would an IRA person do a 1031, right? You can't replace, there's no need to replace an IRA-owned house with another IRA-owned house because there's no tax. So the 1031 doesn't work. But if there's leverage, there's potential UBTI. So let's say I have $100,000 in my IRA and the property is $200,000 and I borrow $100,000 non-recourse, meaning I don't personally guarantee it. But since I'm putting down 50% equity, I found a bank that will give me that 50% loan. So I have $200,000, $100,000 cash, $100,000 loan, buy the property for $200,000. Now, a couple of years later, it's worth $400,000. So I have potential UBTI, right? Because Half of the gains are attributable to my loan, so half of the gains will be subject to the UBIT tax. And in 2018, the UBIT tax max rate is 37%, which is you know pretty uh, significant. So um, a lot of real estate investors, the savvy ones, say, well, how can I reduce or eliminate the UBIT? Number one, I can do a C-Corp blocker. Okay, a C-Corp blocker in 2018 makes sense because the C-Corporation tax rate is 21%, not 35%, which it was in 17. So what you can do, and some investors do this, is they slip a C-Corp between the IRA and the real estate, and they say, okay, I know I'm going to pay 21% on the profits or gains associated with my real estate, but I can live with that because that's less than 37%. Still, there's 21% tax, so you're not in a perfect tax-free environment. But you also have the option of potentially doing a 1031 where you could say, okay, I'm going to flip this property that has this loan attached for another property of like kind, equal, or, or more value, and hopefully I'll be able to pay off that loan before I sell that replacement property, uh, or maybe um, I'll be able to refinance and, and, and get that loan off the books um, so that when I sell that replacement property, I'll have no leverage associated with it and thus no UBIT. And that's a not super popular approach because there's not a lot of people that have leverage that are looking or even know what a 1031 is in the IRA world. Um, but it's an option out there. Um, I've, ha- I've helped some clients do it. Um, if you look at the instructions under the 990T, that's the form you have to complete if you have UBIT. It clearly says that if you're doing a 1031, since the 1031 is a tax-free exchange, the UBIT doesn't apply. So um, basically, since an IRA is a trust, it's technically an eligible uh, participant to a 1031 exchange. It's like an S-Corp or LLC or an individual or business. So um, assuming the IRA can do the 1031, assuming it makes sense because they have a real estate property with leverage and they want to defer the UBIT tax, assuming they can find a replacement property in 45 days and close on it on, on 180 days, it could make sense. You can defer the leverage, pay off that leverage, and so that when that replacement property is ready to be sold, your UBIT tax will be either minimized or reduced because there's no more leverage. So kind of exciting strategy. I wanted to share it with you. I'm going to try to write a Forbes article on it um, because I think there's more uh, people out there that that just may be interested in it but just may not have a lot of exposure to 1031s and and UBIT. And I just wanted to kind of bring it out there to all of you without getting uh, very 
in depth because of the complexity. Just want to kind of bring it out so everyone kind of can digest it and, and see the potential benefits if it works for you or not. But it's important that you just understand your options. That if you do have leverage and non-recourse loan associated with an IRA investment for real estate, the blocker that C Corp blocker is an option reduces UBIT from 37 to 21 percent. Also, you have the potential of doing a 1031 exchange, which you need an intermediary. There's there's some additional cost. You have the 45, 180-day uh, uh, limitations, but you have the ability to defer or potentially eliminate the uh, the UBIT. So pretty interesting. Um, and again, I'll, I'll kind of do another uh, podcast on this topic um, because I think it's important, and also write a Forbes article and a blog on it so people can see it. Um, you can check those out at, at our website, irafinancialgroup.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at irafg, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn or email me, um, abergman at irafinancial.com. Uh, really uh, hope everyone uh, found the podcast uh, interesting, helpful, hopefully. And uh, until next time.